0: You're listening to episode 196 of Mid-America Reformed Seminaries Roundtable Podcast. In this broadcast, the faculty of Mid-America discuss theology and cultural issues from a Reformed perspective. I'm Jared Luchbord, Director of Marketing. Thank you for tuning in. In this episode, Dr. Beach examines the Ordo Salutis, which refers to the logical sequence or order of the various elements involved in the process of salvation, according to Reformed Theology. What is the order of salvation? Is it even correct to describe salvation in such terms? As Dr. Beach elaborates more on election, effectual calling, regeneration, conversion, justification, adoption, and sanctification, we hope you'll come away from this episode with a little bit more of an understanding of what this is all about. Here's
1: Dr. Beach. We've been talking about poctum salutis, Historia salutis, ordo salutis, they each have their own number to dial, so to speak. They each answer different, distinct questions, and they're each serving a doctrinal theology in a different way. When it comes to Ordo Salutis, generally that's defined as a topic that comes within the doctrine of the Holy Spirit or the doctrine of salvation, soteriology. And it has to do with the spirits applying the work of Christ to the sinner in the way of uh, calling them effectually such that they're born again, that they're converted, they believe, they repent, and being united to Christ by faith, they enjoy all the blessings that are attached to him, all his benefits. So they're forgiven, they know justification by faith alone, Christ alone as such. They also enjoy the blessing of being adopted as God's own children. The Spirit's accompanying work continues in the way of applying the work of salvation, Christ's work of salvation to us. They enjoy an ongoing work of sanctification, a growing in faith knowledge, a growing, if you will, of of dying to the old self and coming to life of the new, an, an ongoing conversion and transformation, which is part of persevering in faith. Through the, the hard walk of a Christian life, God perseveres, keeps us going, and finally brings us to glory. So, Uh, The classic sort of golden chain extended is effectual calling, regeneration, conversion, which then has to do with faith and repentance, justification, adoption, sanctification, perseverance, and glorification. Now, what's important to understand with Ordo Salutis is, is now we're approaching scriptures and we're lifting from multiple passages, we're lifting topics. We're, we're taking topics from the Scripture and analyzing them. And this somewhat illustrates the difference between biblical theology and systematic theology. Typically, although there's different brands and breeds of biblical theology, but a more biblical styled biblical theologies concern to trace the historia salutis and to talk about God's revelation on a redemptive timeline and honoring that and letting it build one thing build from another and again we get back to promise fulfillment themes and things like that but with systematic theology you're looking at the whole of the scripture in eliciting Various topics that emerge, more dominant themes that emerge, and among those is the way of salvation, how the Holy Spirit applies the work of Christ unto our salvation. And shorthand for that particular topic is the Ordo Salutis, the way or order of God bringing us to salvation and applying the work of Christ Christ to our hearts now when you look at that there is some chronology in it but what's pivotal in ordo salutis is that here's the benefits that come when the believer is bonded to christ by the spirit because all the blessings are blessings benefits that come from jesus christ he purchased these blessings he's the source of these blessings and being united to him we enjoy these blessings he bore our penalty he paid for the curse of our sins he fulfilled all righteousness he was the doer and keeper of god where we weren't he loved god with all his heart soul mind and strength he loved neighbor as self he loved us he fulfilled all righteousness and as his commission was to go forth and fulfill all righteousness. So he stand, stood in the place of sinners at his baptism, anticipating fulfilling righteousness, and there in a place for sinners, on behalf of sinners, he finally hangs on a cross for sinners, for his own, for his elect, and gives us the spirit too now to apply his benefits to us. So when we look at this topic, then, ordo salutis, we're not, first of all, following a timeline or uh, the unfolding of revelation and redemptive history. We're soliciting from the Scripture, what does it tell us about the way of salvation relative to the Spirit actually applying the blessings and work of Christ to us? And that begins with regeneration, effectual calling. And there's been quite a discussion among Reformed people through the years on that question. Herman Bovink, in a book translated entitled Saved by Grace, handles this topic with great finesse. encourage uh, anyone interested to look at that particular book. Because he addresses this topic of do you begin with effectual calling, which means the Spirit works through the power of the Word in such a way that He conquers every obstacle that we would put in the way and finally melts our heart, opens our heart to receive the gospel, and consequently, simultaneously, if you will, we are regenerated from death to life and come. Uh, Usually, immediately, sometimes it might be arguably sometime later, but come to faith and repentance. But what's important is that the blessings are grounded in Christ, that he's the source of the benefits. The Spirit takes what belongs to Jesus and ministers it to us, so the Spirit himself is a gift of Christ to the church. And in the way of the poctum salutis then, some Reformed theologians have said, well, why limit it to just the work of the Son on behalf of sinners? In a certain way, the inner Trinitarian fellowship includes the spirits being sent forth from the Father and the Son in order to apply the work of Christ to sinners. What for Reformed people is non-negotiable, is that we can't regenerate ourselves, we can't make the preaching effective by our efforts, we can't, um, by our own willfulness or desires, uh, affect uh, the gospel preaching in a manner that it converts and brings to faith. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, When you consider more broadly the Holy Spirit applying the work of Christ for our salvation, the Ordo Salutis emerges. But what happens? Well, since all blessings are grounded in Christ and in being in union with him, I've always thought Lord's Day 12 of the Heidelberg Catechism handled this well, that we're grafted into him by faith. We participate in him and all his benefits. So you don't divorce Christ from Ordo Salutis. We don't disunite ourselves or find ourselves independent of him and then enjoy his benefits. Rather, because we're bonded to him by the Spirit, uh, we find that we're also bonded to the blessings he gives. This is where it's important not to make too much of a chronology. There's some chronology in the Ordo, but if you make it too much of a chronology rather than more of a logical ordering of blessings, uh, we end up into some questions that are insolvable, really. But when you see it as a package, a blessing founded on our union with Christ, bonded by the Spirit, then it's not you get one of these and not the rest— It's not the case that you you would be regenerated but never converted, or regenerated and converted but not justified or adopted as God's children. Or, yeah, he justifies us, and we're even counted as children, but there's no work of sanctification at work in us, and we can skip that part. There are different Protestant traditions that will accent one one or more of uh, topics in the Ordo Salutis to the exclusion of others or near exclusion of others. Uh, the Reformed, I think, have been jealous not to do that, that a justified person, knowing they're a child of God, being received in love, embraced, accepted through the blood of Christ and his righteousness, wants to press on, to live in a way that conforms to that. So sanctification should not be something we're allergic to or makes a person less than Protestant or less than Reformed. It's it's not a badge of honor to be justified and live like an unbeliever. It's rather all the more, since I my identity is Christ, I'm united to him by faith, all the more for me to live and act and behave and love like Jesus calls us to. And in fact, the way of perseverance is the way of being effectually called and regenerated and converted and believing and repenting and being forgiven and being a person who is reminded and assured that they're adopted as children and fighting the good fight of the faith, you don't persevere by giving up, giving in. Perseverance of the saints is perseverance of the saints, not perseverance of sinners who are not born again, or not converted, or not forgiven, not God's children. And there's there's a allergy within uh, some reform circles to letting justification bear the fruit of Being accepted of God as child, and now I'm going to start living that way. Sanctification and a call to live, just look at all the exhortations throughout the New Testament, uh, isn't something adverse to our justification, it's a consequence of it. And that's precisely how we then live out perseverance, because life's a long haul. Let's face it unless the Lord calls us home at a tender age or in an untimely way, life is a long haul. The Christian life is going to know many ups and downs, various obstacles. And the Ordo Salutis helps us see, by divvying up aspects of God's redemptive activity in our lives in these various categories, helps us see that the way I persevere as one declared holy in God's sight in Christ Jesus, is by praying for an ever effectual calling of the gospel in my heart. A there's the Heidelberg Catechism would talk about it, a continual dying away of the old self and coming to life of the new. It's a renewal, it's a sanctifying work of the Spirit. It's a living out of my adoption. It's a living out of my justification. And that's the pathway then to persevering as a holy one, holy in Christ Jesus, as a saint. So Orto Salutis helps us define clearly what God has done until we reach finally the end of that, glorification for eternity now what has sometimes happened is people cross pollinate between Historia Salutis categories and Ordo Salutis categories, and so they find themselves somewhere in the Old Testament at a certain stage of redemptive history and they overlay, if you will, Ordo Salutis categories on top of biblical passages that would not really be familiar with those category of words or those set of ideas with the clarity the New Testament presents them. And then they end up preaching ordo salutis instead of what the Old Testament passage in question actually presents. So this is where we can fall into different hazards. But in summary, poctum salutis shows us a God whose intent to work as Holy Trinity to save us. Historia Salutis shows us a God who will take the long march through history to make promises and bring it to fulfillment. And Ordo Salutis helps us focus on the Holy Spirit's work of application to affect personally in each believer that union with Christ unto all the blessings that follow from him.
0: That wraps up Dr. Beach's series on the Pactum, Historia, and Ordo Salutis. Next week, we plunge headlong into church history once again with Dr. Alan Strange, starting a series of episodes that includes monasticism, various church councils, the fall of Rome, and Islam. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with friends or family. Your support helps us bring more engaging content to your ears and helps us foster not just a community of lifelong learners, but thoughtful practitioners. I'm Jared Luchibor. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.